of Luke chapter 10 this morning. We're still talking about freedom. And you know, here's the thing that may help you this morning. Anything in your life, anything in my life, that I tried to hide or keep it a secret, it's ultimately going to lead to bondage. Whether that's sin, whether that's uh, unforgiveness, resentment. Keep your hands up real high and they'll get you, they'll get you a Bible. But also, things of my past. You know, a lot of times we don't want anybody to know our past. So the hidden things, the secret things, they become bondage and you end up, you end up having to live a life of a lie. You tell lies, you hide lies. And so the truth in any arena, guys, will set you free. And so to have a healthy heart, to have a whole heart, I must respond to God. Learn to respond to God when God begins to tug at your heart. And it comes down to this, I must make good choices. When I make a good choice, guys, it'll end up rooting me in the things of God. And good choices, they'll, they'll lead me to, to good habits, to good blessings. And a lot of people, you know what, they'll say, well, I can't help it. This is just what I do. This is just the way I am. This is just the DNA. This is just my makeup. No. I'm going to tell you guys, if you believe that, you're living a lie. Because Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I believe that in every area of your life. Don't be conformed to this world by the way you act, the way you talk, the way you think. The way you live. I'm going to tell you, you live according to this world, you're going to get the blessings of this world. Don't think you can conform your life to this world and live by the blessings of God. And so each one of us, we have the opportunity to let the Word of God transform us. Let the Word of God begin to shape me and mold me. And I promise you that when you begin to think in line with the Word of God, you begin to live in line with the Word of God, It'll change you. It'll change. You say, oh, pastor, you don't know my past. No, I don't know your past, but I do know the Word of God. And he said, it'll transform you. And so the thing about my life, guys, I'm being transformed right now. It's, it's a continual process. God just keeps transforming me. Keeps knocking that junk off. Keeps me on the, the, the wheel. He's the potter and I'm the clay. Amen? Just stay in there. Now, here we are in Luke 10 this morning. I'm going to begin in verse number 38. Let's read this passage together and just learn a little bit here real quick and then we'll move on. Now it happened as they went that he entered a, cer or he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed and received him in her home. And so when you look at this woman named Martha, it appears on the surface, on the outward, that, oh Martha, she's, she's got her act together. She's got all her T's crossed and all her I's dotted and she, she is it, man. And I think about this that a lot of times when we come in here to church on the outside, we can appear, you know, cool, calm, and collected. We got everything together. We can appear that way. We can talk in Christianese and make everybody think, man, now they are holier than that. That's it. But really, on the inside, it reveals who we are, not on the outside. And so you begin to get kind of where we're going with this. Verse number 39. And, and Martha had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She was busy. One translation says she was over-occupied. 
Now, think about that in your life. What are things in your life that keep you distracted? See, a lot of times, you know what we have in our minds? I'm busier than anybody else. Ain't nobody as busy as me. There ain't nobody who's got as tough as me. My life is difficult. Now, we all have issues. And so one thing I want you to understand today, don't confuse activity with accomplishment. See, a lot of times we think just because we're busy, we're accomplishing things. Keep reading here. And Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And when you read this, you begin to see Martha's doing some things, but she's not real happy about doing it. And the more she does it, the angrier she gets. And it's almost like you can begin to sense resistance in her or resentment. I don't like what my sister's doing. So look what she says to Jesus in the last part. Therefore, tell her to help me. In other words, she's saying, Jesus, you got to tell my lazy sister to, to lend a hand, to begin to help me. Now, if you're not careful right here, you can get over into a thing that where you think you're more important than everybody else. I do all this, and ultimately at times it can lead to even self-righteousness. Where you are so much better than everybody else. Guys, that's a scary place to be in. And so when she says all this, I look at this and I think, okay, what are the things in my life that cause me to be distracted? Now you may be busy, and you may, things ha may be having things happen in your life, but what are causing you to be distracted in life? Now look at Jesus' response in verse number 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Now I'm going to stop right there because when you read this, you can kind of get a glimpse in Jesus' voice here. He says, Martha, and then look, there's a comma. And he says, Martha, and there's another. And so he's saying, Martha, Martha. In other words, girl, you've got to cool your jets. You're way out of line here, dear. And see, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried. You are anxious. And you are troubled about many things. In other words, because of the choices in your life, you're out of order. And each one of us in here, we can get to a place in our life where our life can be out of order. We focus on things that we shouldn't be focusing on. And so when Jesus says this right here, you know what I believe he's telling Martha? He's saying, Martha, Mary's not your issue. Your job, your boss is not your issue. Your parents aren't your issue. Your spouse isn't your issue. You know who the issue is? You're the issue. You're the issue. And so I think he's telling her, Mary, you got to start, or Martha, you got to start making some better choices. Choose a different type of lifestyle. Now look where he goes in verse 42. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. Now as I read that, I look and I think, Mary's chosen, but Martha's chosen too. Both of them's chosen. And see, so it comes down to our choices. And where you're at today is a result of your choices. 
But he, he highlights something here. He says, Mary's chosen, and what Mary's chosen is that good part which will not be taken away from her. So you know what Jesus is telling her? Mary's figured it out. And what had Mary figured it out? Well, if you look at verse 39, it says that Mary took time to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know what that represents? Mary took time to get in the Lord's presence. And it said, and then she heard the word. I believe, guys, for every one of us in this room, this was priority for, for Mary. And Jesus said, take note of it. I believe that's important for me and you. Daily. That I take time to get into the presence of the Lord. Whether that's through praise and worship. Whether that's through prayer. Whether that's just hanging out with Jesus. See, it comes to this big question. Do I know Him? Do I know Him or do I just know about Him? And so He's telling us here, and then to get into the Word of God. Now it comes back to what I said earlier, that when you begin to get into the Lord's presence, and you begin to get into the Lord's Word every day, it will begin to influ uh, influence your decisions, it'll influence your lifestyle, it'll influence your choices, and ultimately, it'll start transforming you. It'll so the Word of God will start transforming you. So when you look at all that he was saying right here, this must become important because if you don't know God intimately, if you don't know God, guys, whatever's going on in your life won't be a lasting change. You're going to go to problems to problems to circumstance to circumstance, addiction to addiction, until what? I come to the place where I know God. See, this is big right here because Christianity isn't about what you can get from God. And a lot of times, that becomes exactly where we are. This is how we treat God. We say, God, we want you to heal us. We want you to save us. We want you to bless us. And then get out of my life. I want your presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. -E are you smarter than a fifth grader? There you go. Or do you want His presence? P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. See, there's a difference between His presence and His presence. And so many times, you know what? We want God for His blessings and our prosperity. And then we say, God, get out of here. I don't need you. I don't want you. But what i got to realize is good choices start in my daily decisions. And I'm not talking about just good choices. I'm talking about godly choices. Choices where I, I get into the Word of God and I let the things of God begin to strengthen my heart and I'm not moved by peer pressure. I'm not moved by what's popular. I'm moved by the Word of God. And when I start allowing the Word of God to dictate my life in every area, every area, whoo, get ready. God's going to start blessing you. Now go with me to the book of James, chapter number 4. James chapter number 4. And as you're turning there, in, in one of the Proverbs, actually Proverbs 4.23, it talks about that we're to keep our heart, we're to guard our heart, we're to protect it with all diligence, because it says, out of it flow the issues of life. So who's responsible for protecting our hearts? I am. You are. Each one of us. And so if you've been here the last several weeks, we've talked about a number of things that started with our. Number one, for every one of us, I must 
recognize things in my life, in my heart. And I realize at times to do that, it may be difficult. It may be where you have to pick up that rug of life and really look in your heart, what am I looking at, Pastor? Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. Because I'm going to tell you guys, those things are an inward poison that will keep you from the blessings of God. Another thing that you got to recognize is when you got sin in your life. That Man, I, I can't live with sin. The second thing I do is I must take responsibility for my life. In other words, quit blaming everybody else. See, it was easy for Martha to get over there and blame Mary. Now i got to take responsibility for my life. The third one is I begin to repent. I repent for the things in my life. Part of the word of repentance not only means to verbally confess it, but it means to turn, to do a 180. Get it out of your life. The third thing is we begin to renounce. We begin to renounce things in our life. The, the last week we remove them. We start saying, I've got to get that stuff out of my life. Now the next one today is we've got to begin to resist. And we talk about the word resist. You'll see one of the areas we resist here. But an area I want to talk about just a second is I must begin to resist my old bad habits, my old lifestyle. In other words, when God starts setting you free, you're going to have to begin to resist that and say, I'm not going to go back into that temptation. To do that, you've got to guard your heart. Your heart is like the garden of your life. Get rid of those weeds. Keep them out. James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Now the message says there, let God work His will in you. One translation says, be subject to God. And so, how do I submit to God? I obey Him. What am I obeying? I obey His Word. See, submitting to God is submitting to God's Word. Remember last week we talked about in, in John 15 that if, if you're not abiding in God, you've got to keep living there. This is what it's talking about. That I must submit to God. When I see what the Word of God says, I must submit. The prophet Samuel said to King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, he said, the Lord, He desires obedience over sacrifice. Obedience is listening instead of, of uh, uh, a sacrifice would be a production. You know, you can stage yourself pretty good where, where people think you're a believer, but Samuel said to him, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now look what he says next. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I want you to pay close attention to the order it comes in. It says submit to God, then resist the devil. I'm going to tell you guys right now, you're not ever going to be resisting the devil if you're not submitted to God. There's a grace, there's an empowering that will come to you when you submit to God. When you say, alright, Father God, I'm going to submit to your word. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do what you want. And when that happens, oh man, you can begin in the name of Jesus to resist the devil. And what did he say would happen? He'll flee from you. He'll flee from you. You know why? It's like we talked about last week. The devil is in huge fear of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, when, you, when you're submitted to God and you start using the name of Jesus, just picture in there, man. He's fleeing. He's taking off. And, and see, this is exactly what God wants to do. Verse 8. 
Now to me, this is one of the greatest invitations in the whole Bible. Draw near to God. That's a choice. And God said, I will draw near to you. Woo, I like that. So you know what God's saying? I'm on go. If you can hook up with me, I'm on go. Keep reading. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. So right here He tells me one of the ways I hook back up to God, I've got to get rid of sin in my life. And, and as a believer, you know what? We ought to embrace conviction. What do I mean by that? Well, when you do something wrong, it ought to bless you that the Lord deals with your heart. How many of you have ever done something wrong or here lately and God dealt with you where you knew immediately? I like that. That's the conviction of God. And that's one thing that we ought to applaud. So he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Change our hearts. And I look at this and I think this, this will help you. The attitude of our society is this. We... We try to deal with everything from an outward appearance. In other words, everything's outward. We don't ever want to deal with our heart. And so we say stuff like, well, if, if my circumstances were just changed, if my appearances were just changed, if I lived in a bigger house, if I lived in a different city, if I had a better boss, but see, we're looking at outward things instead of the things of our heart. And so this goes on and on and on and on. And, and so this is one of the things we tell Father God. We don't want to change our habits. We don't want to change our lifestyles. We don't want to change our hearts. We just want you to move, Father God. Now think about that. How many of you want to change your habits, your lifestyle? You know, I said this a few weeks ago that when my brother started having symptoms in his body, his sugar was all messed up. And he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, why don't you heal me of this? And the Lord said, you know what, I, I, can, I can heal you of it. But I said, if I heal you of that, you're never going to change your lifestyle or your habits. And so think about that. So in our own lives, you know what, in the United States of America right now, we are the most medicated nation in the world. Now, if you're on medication, I'm not slapping you, but listen to this. When we got issues about being overweight, you know what our answer is? Take a pill. Depressed? Take a pill. ADD? Take a pill. You know, if there had been pills around when I was a kid, they would have said, put that boy on Ritalin. He got issues. You know what the issue wasn't? The issue wasn't I didn't need to be on Ritalin. The issue was I needed to have my little rear swatted. Whack. Foolishness is bound in the heart. And some of you say, I'm not going to bless little Johnny. Well, it's all right. It's all right. You're going to get the rewards of that too. But see, you look at all this, and so we look at appearance. And our idea of changing our appearance is, well, let's just stretch our skin. Let's cut a few things off and pump a few things up and everything's taken care of. No, it's not. We've never dealt with the heart. We've never dealt with the heart. That's why they say that 80% of all disease is spiritually related. In other words, that stuff gets in our heart. 
And so you know what we do? We try to medicate things that are a spiritual issue. Ooh, we got to get this, guys, where we begin to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to change my heart. I'm going to change my heart. Help me to change my heart, Lord. Then look what the next thing he says here. You double-minded. You double-minded. You know what that is? That's a person that on Sunday wants God, and on Monday he goes back and lives for the world. He's a saint on Sunday, he's a sinner on Monday. And one of the translations for a double-minded says that you're a spiritual adulterer. And you know what that means? You cheated on God. You cheated on God. And so he says, listen up, you double-minded. And so what happens right here, and I see it over and over, even in the Old Testament, where, where believers, we want the blessing of God, we want the prosperity of God, we don't want to obey God. And so really you can say this, and this may offend you, but that's okay. We treat God like the big sugar daddy in the sky. Woo, that's scary, guys. Scary. Keep reading. Verse 9. Lament. That word lament, its definition is miserable. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. You know what he's talking about? Because our disloyalty to God. And he says, and, and let your joy be turned to gloom. There should be a heartfelt shame within us, guys. When I don't live for Jesus wholeheartedly. When I don't give Jesus my all. So look what he says there in verse 10. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And He will lift you up. You know what my job is, guys? Begin to humble myself to the things of God. And I'm going to tell you, God will Lift you up. It comes to this, guys. Not only do we got to resist the devil, we got to resist the temptation of this world. You're being attacked right now by things in this world unlike any other time. I can say this right now, that what my life is, is uh, like compared to 30 years ago, and I'm telling you, darkness is just getting stronger, and it's going to keep getting stronger. I, I don't say that to scare you. I say that, man... Let's hook to God. Let's hang out to God with God. Now look over with me the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Woo, he's a good God. God's got to hook up to him though. Hook up to him. Begin to resist that old nature in you. Begin to resist those old bad habits. And even, even if you fought unforgiveness in your life, don't slip back in that. Resist it in the name of Jesus. Say, so, man, I'm not going back there. God is setting me free. God, you wouldn't believe, and I, I'm going to start sharing next week probably some of the testimonies we've been having, people getting set free. I'm telling you, yokes of bondage being broken. Folk are coming to me. I had some say, Pastor, we smoked for X amount of years in our life. He said, man, when I began to repent and forgive, he said, the desire for cigarettes started leaving me. I'm going tell you, that's what God does. It's that spiritual stuff in our heart. Matthew 5, verse number 8. And these are called the Beatitudes. And listen to this one. I selected it per, uh, intentionally here. Blessed, happy, fortunate, envied are the pure in heart. The pure in heart. You know where my heart That's the inside of. Are the ones that are pure on the inside. Notice he didn't say blessed are those ones that are pure in their appearance. Or blessed are those ones that have got a high IQ. Or they got some title in front of them. No. 
He said, blessed are the pure in heart. And so the foundation of a healthy heart, I believe, is a desire for God. To know Him, to serve Him, and even to walk and be intimate with Him. Now I say that right now because I believe in our own society that there are many people, believers, that are living in dangerous times. And one of the reasons I say that is, is because the hardness of people's hearts. Proverbs 28.14 says this, The hardness of a heart will lead to a person to fall with calamity. And so a hard heart, guys, is a heart that never responds to God. You don't respond to God in praise and worship. You don't respond to God in altars. You don't respond to God at all. And so when I look at this, this is symptoms of a hard heart that begins to say, I really don't care what you say, Lord. You know, if praise and worship is, is supposed to be an expression of my love for God, my passion for God, actually my gratitude for God, it's pretty easy to come to the conclusion that most believers don't have a real passion for God. What do you mean by that? Do you ever respond to God in praise and worship? Do you ever raise your hands? Do you ever cry out to God? Because most people, even when we come into church right here, we treat God... Like a forgotten friend. Like a distant relative. Actually like a plague. And it all comes from the condition of my heart. So you've got to look at your heart. He said here, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. The ones that have a heart to say, Father God, I need you. Look over a, a book or two to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. While we're there, we're just going to look at this. And at times, guys, right now, when I begin to pray, oh man, I, I get real grieved in my heart because of the condition, not only of our society, but people in our church. And if you've had a hard heart, then you need to repent. Look what Jesus said. Now notice, this is red letter words, Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Huh. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So you know what that tells me? Just because you have, may have walked this aisle and said or confessed out of your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He said this right here. Now look, pay close attention. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But, now look at the but. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, and highlight right there that word does. He who does, he who submits, he who obeys the will of my Father. And he goes on to say in the next verse, But many, many will say to me in that day. Now I encourage you to highlight the word many. That, that doesn't mean a few. And who were the many? These were the ones who at one time in their life walked an aisle, confessed out of their mouth Jesus is Lord, but they didn't do the things God asked them to do. And so in verse 22, they give their resume of how awesome they were on the earth. I sang in the choir. I was an usher. I taught Sunday school for 38 years. 
I haven't missed a Sunday in three years. I come to church once a month. Interesting, huh? See, we start giving our resume, but look at Jesus' reply in verse 23. He said this, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now see, that's the question today. Do you know Him? Do you know Him right here? Do you know Him in your heart? See, don't tell me, well, my mama knew Him. And my great-grandma, you know what? I said this in the first service. There are not going to be grandkids in heaven. Just kids. You're not going to get grandfathered in. Because how great a person your parents were. It's going to come to you. And so he said there, I never knew you. And he gives us the reasons for that. And then he said, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, you who practice wickedness, and the Amplify says, you who disregarded my commandments. And you know what this comes to? This comes to a choice for every one of us in here today. And one of the biggest things the Lord has put on my heart over and over and over in the last couple of weeks, I can't be conformed to this world. In any area of my life, you, you conform, you start thinking like the world, you're going to get world results. You act like the world, you talk like the world, you run with the world. And many people would say, well, Pastor, this has happened in my life and that's happened in my life. See, what it goes back to is we want the blessings of God, we want the prosperity of God, but I don't want to be conformed to God. See, we're out of balance, guys. Now think about that in your own life. You're in the situation you're in because of the choices. That you've either conformed to the things of the world, or you've allowed God to transform you. Now it's a good thing to be transformed. Woo, God will begin to mold you and shape you. And I promise you guys, you'll begin to experience peace and joy. I love my life right now. Is God done transforming you? Actually, no, not even close. He whacks on me every day and I like it. Because I realize that God's got great things for me when I hook up to it. I mean, you know what, as a believer, and I say this, guys, my, my adventures are a lot better than Peter Pan ever had. Ever. I mean, you, when you get to toss around the name of Jesus, when you get to speak the name of Jesus, when you get to have fruit in your life, when you go to bed at night, there's a peace that surpasses understanding. When I go to bed tonight and, and I got a joy that can only come from the Lord, oh, happy day. And I'm going to tell you, He's no respecter of persons. He's just waiting for ones to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook up. But the key is, what have we heard all this morning? Submit to God. Be transformed to the things of God. See, it comes down to a choice. And I'm going to resist the, I'm going to resist the things of the world. Or you know what? I'm going to resist God. Is that possible? Absolutely it's possible. I could ask for a show of hands. How many have ever resisted God? Never one of us had ever hands go up. I've resisted God. When God loved me and, and wanted to do things for my life. And so you know what God's saying? Hook up with me. Hook up with me. Go to Joshua 24. Joshua chapter 24. And as you're turning there, let me ask you. Do you want a relationship with God? Do you want to re uh, 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 know Him? 
a relationship with Him like you've never had before? See, I believe this, that a lot of people right now in our society, in our church, I don't want a relationship with Him. I want Him to be my healer. I want Him to be my Savior. I want Him to bless me. I want Him to protect me. I want Him to be my banker. I want Him to be a magician for my life. I want Him to be my doctor. I want Him to be my psychiatrist so He can make me feel good. But I don't want anything to do with Him. And so this is where we're getting back in this passage right here. This is about a guy named Joshua. And Joshua was one of the original Israelites that came out out of Egypt. A man who had seen bondage. He crosses the Jordan River on his way to the promised land with Moses. But they got in all that doubt and unbelief. And remember, Joshua was one of the twelve spies that went. He was one of the two that came back and said, we can take it. But because of their doubt and unbelief, he wandered in the desert with them for 40 more years. And so now Joshua's on the verge of leading them right on into the promised land. And it says here that he continually went after them to not compromise. He was always telling them, don't sin. Now think about this, guys. He's in the last part of his life. He's fixing to die. His life is fixing to be over. And look what he says to the children of Israel in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord reverently. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. What a prayer, Lord. I, I want to serve you, Father God. I want to serve you in sincerity and truth. I want to serve you that way. See, when you read about great men in the Bible, the Joshua's, they were great men because of their choices. It wasn't because he got dressed in a phone booth and put on a costume. Now he made incredible choices. Look what he says next. And put away, remove. And what I think these next ones are the distractions. The God which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. And he said, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil or undesirable to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves. In other words, I can't choose for you. This day, whom you're going to serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the god or the Amorites whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you know what he's telling them? Boys, I'm not going to compromise. He said, I want to make this clear. You guys can do whatever you want. But he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to make a stand. I don't care what the rest of you do. And I believe it was a charge for him to say, we got to get out of neutral. we got to get out of neutral. we got to rise up as believers. And say, okay, Father God, I'm going to serve you unlike I ever have. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to get at your feet. I'm going to hear your word. And the reason I say that is when you think about the passage in Revelations 3 where Jesus said this, I would rather have you hot or cold than lukewarm. Because when you're lukewarm, and Jesus got very graphic, He said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Mm. 
That's scary to me. That's a wake-up call to me. Where I look at my life and I say, what within me today, Father God, is lukewarm? What are the areas of my life that I compromise? And every day becomes a choice. And so, yeah, we've got to resist the devil. We've got a power to do that. But I believe too, guys, we've got to learn to resist the things of this world. Because whether you like it or not, they are grasping at us constantly. Constantly. There's a battle between light and dark on the, and it's in the spirit realm going on right now. And so God's saying, just stay hooked to me. Just stay hooked to me. And don't be moved by the things of the world. You know, he said this in John 16. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. And some of you say, I don't want tribulation. But you know what Jesus said next? Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've over and so when I start living for Jesus, that power from Him, that overcomer, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 12, 11. That overcoming power, it'll come on the inside of you. Well, am I, am I going to be persecuted, Pastor? Yes. Yes. Just like Rick Perry was persecuted yesterday for standing up for the name of Jesus. You know, they had over 30,000 in that auditorium yesterday worshiping God and calling out to God. But you know what? On the outside, there were masses that were picketing, that were going after Him. You know what they were saying? How dare Him? Some of them were saying, He doesn't know what it is to separate church from state. You know what I want to say? Shut up. Please. Please. And you know who all was out there? The atheists. The Muslims. The homosexual community. The down anybody that was a bedwetter. All the whiners. That's what I call them. I care less what they do. You know what? God said all along, I'm, I'm the only God. There is no other God. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And so you know what my thought is? If you don't like it, tough. We're going to serve God. And I don't mean that ugly. I don't mean, you know what? As believers, we should be so full, full of life that the rest of the world looks and says, I've got to have what they have. Just like that little Buddhist lady who came in today. You know what? She said, I've got to have what they got. I've got to have what they got. I'm not telling you to be obnoxious. Guys, I'm not obnoxious. I love the world. I love, the, I love people of the world. So don't think if you bring in your sorry family members. Pastor, are you prophesying that or do you just know that? Well, better hush and just keep moving on. Bring them. Bring them. We love people around. I don't care what they look like, how they act, how they smell. Bring them to church. Amen. Stand on your feet with me. Woo, hallelujah. Our air conditioners, guys, are working as hard as they can, I promise you. And I am losing weight while I preach. Woo, thank you, Lord. You know what that tells me? That ought to give some of you a brief little description of hell. You don't want to go there. This summer ought to tell you about hell right here. I don't know, every one of us in this room would probably said, Oh, Pastor, this heat's getting old. Yeah, yay, verily. Yeah, this should give you an inside of hell. You don't want to go there. You don't want to take a picnic there. You don't want to do nothing there. I'm going to tell you, ain't nothing good there. Bow your head with me.
Father God, I thank you for every person represented here today. That you love people. That you love people. And we thank you for that today. I thank you, Father God, that every person in this room, you love them, you sent your son for them,